Thank you for tuning in at Ravenna Assembly of God. We hope you enjoy this message and are blessed from it. If you want to tune in to more messages, log on to RavennaAG.com and search under the Media tab. Thank you and God bless. Good morning, Ravenna Assembly. Good to have you all here in the house of the Lord. Why don't we go ahead and stand to our feet this morning as we begin to praise and worship our God. How I many know that our God is good and He is unstoppable? There's nothing that will happen. He's in control, amen? He's still in control. He is good. Let's worship Him this morning as we begin with prayer. Lord, we thank You for this day. God, we thank You for who You are and, and what You've done, Lord, but also what is yet to be, to be gone. Lord, we look forward to the day, God, not before we meet you. But in the meantime, Lord, we praise and glorify and honor you, God. You are worthy, and we're so grateful for what you've done. So, Lord, today I pray that you would be, you'd be praised, God. So we lift you up. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's worship this morning.
say nothing is impossible. He's unstoppable, man. Nothing shall be impossible.
there's replacements to the faith of fear that's running rampant. That's not God. But we're influenced by it. And I'm here to tell you, that's what's breaking God's heart. Is that instead of His Spirit, His presence influencing us, teaching us, overwhelming us, it's been replaced by a world religion, by a world faith, by a world system. Uh, 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 it's, 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 it still stands as scripture. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise and joy. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you, Lord. It's your breath in our Comfort? 
using on you anyways. All that stuff. But I know somebody that loves you, doesn't hate you. Wants to prosper you, not defeat you. I know somebody that's all about you. That's for you, not against you. And boy, does he have a plan for you. He loves you, my friend. Unbelievably loves you. He is good. He is great. Greatly to be praised. And you know what? When you get to know him, you get you begin to understand that there's nothing too difficult for him. If it's just a statement in your religion, he'll never be what you want him to be. He is who he says he is. Man, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but God's saying something to somebody. And in that reality, my friend, I want you to know God knows you. He knows who you are. He knows where you live. He knows what you're going through. He even knows the intents of your heart. That's more than the hairs on your head. Or lack of hair on the head. Amen? Father, thank you this morning for loving us. Not for us having to become something to be loved, but knowing that we're the apple of your eye to begin with. Knowing that because of who you are, you love us because we exist. I thank you. I thank you for healing in hearts this morning healing in minds, healing in spirits, and I thank you for healing in bodies. In the name of Jesus. Tired of what the enemy puts in the mind, what the enemy stirs up, what the enemy tries to bring about. And this morning we submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees from us. Be glorified, Lord. Be magnified. Be lifted up. Be praised. Be honored. Be adored. Be declared and affirmed. Let your name rise. Lord, let this day know a move of God like any other. Lord, we pray. We pray right now for those who are looking to us for prayer from one person to another from one family to another. Lord, there's so many needs from, from cancers to the congestive heart failures to knee problems, hip problems. Oh, Lord, just just a, an abundant array of situations. You didn't create us that way. That's not the way you intended for this body to work. So we declare in the name of Jesus, it shall not be this way power and the presence of God imparts the healing health of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, whose by his stripes we are healed. 
Lord, let your name be glorified. Let it be praised. Let it be lifted up. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Would you say it with me? In, in Jesus. Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's give him praise. Amen. God bless you. Let's go around about three or four people this morning. Greet them in the name of the Lord. Tell them you're glad that you're here. They're here to be able to maybe see you. Love you. Amen. Well, good to have you in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm very glad that the rain came last night and not today. It's a sunshiny day. Got a couple things just want to remind you about that are coming up. And uh, that is, first of all, if you noticed the lobby when you came in, we have a display there. We have a place where we're collecting school items, school supply items. You also have in your bulletin a little sheet that tells you what it is that we're looking at and looking for. So please note that we'll be doing that from now until August 8th and August 6th, 7th and 8th. There's that weekend of the no tax on any school supplies. That's a good time to buy some stuff too. But again, donations can be turned in at the display that's in the lobby there. And we greatly appreciate it. And I'll tell you what, you're going to bless somebody. You're going to impact somebody because of that. We've got a couple other things that are taking place coming up. We want to remind you of the all church picnic that'll be happening on August the 15th. August 15th, yeah, that's only a couple weeks away. Hard to believe. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Yeah, mumbling and grumbling within the ranks here. But uh, please note that on the back of your bulletin where the church picnic is mentioned, it, 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 what it does is communicates to you what you're looking, what we're asking you to bring according to the first letter of your last name. So we're asking everybody to bring a, a meat dish and we're asking those whose last names are A through C to bring a vegetable or casserole dish, D through K, a salad or some type of starch, uh, potato salad, all those kinds of things. Uh, L through Z is dessert. Now L through Z we're counting. We didn't put you in that category lightly. We believe in you. That you're going to wow us, surprise us. Oh, I can't wait. Anyways. <laughs> so please note that. And we ask that you bring enough to feed your family. 
That's the idea behind it. Please, you know, just don't, don't bring a, a chicken leg and say, well, uh, but we're asking you to bring enough to feed your family. That's how we have enough for everybody that comes. And then everybody's able to sample and a few other things. Uh, the youth got a lot of things going, some things taking place from a basketball tournament that will be happening at the end of the, uh, end of the month in August. And again, that's a, a, a fundraiser for Speed the Light. So also, they've got some things happening with movie night and uh, with youth bonfire. There's, there's a number of things. And again, we want to say thank you to all the, the parents of the children who were part of this last Wednesday's kids night and all the supplies and the blessings that were able to be taken over to Longview Meadow. Uh, they were blessed because of it, believe you me. And so we just want to say thank you to the adults for, help, for helping us in those areas with so much. Men, last announcement, last commercial, just to remind you that if you'd like to join us on our bike ride that's heading up to Geneva on Saturday the 7th, we'll be leaving here at the church at around 9 a.m. and traveling, making our way up to Geneva for some lunch, for some sightseeing, and some other things along the way. It's just going to be a great time, a great ride, great fellowship coming together. So please note that will be this, will be August the 7th, and uh, that will be at 9 o'clock. We should get home sometime around the middle of the afternoon, because you know on the way back, you, you got to make ice cream stands. Yes, I know. We'll just, you eye them out as you head up, and then you know what you want to stop at on the way back. So anyways, uh, God bless you as you remember those announcements. Uh, at this time, Pastor Joe's coming to share some things with you. But before he comes, ba-boom. Teenagers going to this incredible mud pit with all these tires, uh, a tradition that we have at youth camp. That was a recap video of youth camp that we had about five, six weeks ago. Um, we want to just uh, take this time to say thank you. Uh, I'm going to show you some pictures. Uh, thank you for your support. Go ahead and hit those first slides here. 
Uh, we were Team Furby. Everything for the camp was retro. So like Blockbuster Video, Radio Shack, these things that have closed down. How many of you guys remember the Furbies? That was, yeah, that was a, a, a hit. But we were Team Furby. Uh, we had a blast with our teenagers. Go ahead and hit the next one. Is the boys in my room uh, that kept me up. I did not get any sleep that week. But praise God, it was a great week. Go ahead to the next one. <laughs> um, and this is where it all happens. Um, you saw those the videos of uh, this huge slip and slide and, you know, the mud wars. But at the altar, every night, 500, 600 teenagers are there at the altar worshiping. And there was three weeks of, uh, of camp, of youth camp. So, again, how many know we lost a lot in 2020? with a lot that we could not do, but we were back. And it was so exciting to see teenagers from all over the state of Ohio praising and worshiping God and going after God. Uh, go ahead and hit the next one there. And this is our crew from our church. And we had we had a great time. These students, um, some like Lexi Carosi, uh, this was her last time as a graduating senior. So uh, a great time, memories, and for them, um, Friendships that will never be replaced. But how many know that there, when there's times at the altar like that, you never forget it. You never, never forget it. And uh, go ahead and hit the last one there. Uh, again, thank you for your support. We were able to give scholarships to some of these students from your donations and your help. And it made it a lot easier. How many know that a whole summer camp tuition, it's not cheap. So um, but with your help, we were able to scholarship some of these students. And uh, what a great, great time. So thank you again, and we look forward to what God's going to be doing in our youth. Amen. Amen. I still remember camp, man. That was great. You know, one year we had we had a contest, me and a buddy, yeah. see how many girlfriends we could get in one week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 19. I had 19 girlfriends. Yeah, and uh, my funeral was three days later. Yeah, but uh, that's you know I'll never forget. Campus, campus, what changed my life? Campus, where I was called into ministry. It's uh, I can still remember that exact night. I can tell you what I was actually wearing. That's how vivid it was to me. It was an incredible, incredible experience. I'll never forget. Now our our our, our tabernacle didn't look like their tabernacle. Okay, it looked a little bit different, but, you know, who cares what it looks like? It's about the presence of God that invades where his people are gathered. Amen? It's a neat time. And I love the kids enjoying and seeing what's going on and enjoying that time together. It's a great time. We're going to ask our ushers to come at this time as we wait upon you for his tithes, our love offerings, and faith promises. Joe, I'll go ahead and play the video. If you want to okay. Since everybody abandoned you and left you. <laughs> Nobody cares about Pastor Joe. No. Oh, this church is dangerous. There ain't no two ways to die. It's just dangerous. So I'm going to ask our brother Lee if he would ask God's blessing on this morning's giving. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to walk according to your word, Lord. Give you our tithes and our offerings. Bless the gift and the giving.
you want me to deny myself and take up my cross, you are going to have to send me someone who can help. Hey, are you reading the Bible? Yeah. That is so great. I was just praying to the Lord and asking him to send me someone who can help me carry my cross. Because it's so heavy, you know? No way. Yeah. That's exactly what I was reading about. You're kidding. Oh, maybe we're supposed to carry it together. That's a great idea. Yeah, oh, man. I'm Kat. Oh, Kat. Yeah. You mean like Rarel? Oh, actually, it's short for Katerina. My oh. grandmother. She's Russian. Oh. Oh, I see. Oh, that's too bad. Oh. Um, you know, this isn't really going to work out. I'm sorry. It isn't? No. But... Why? Well, I'm American, and you're Russian. Oh, no. I was talking about my grandmother. Not that it matters. No, it does matter. It's in the bloodline. The Old Testament says you need to stick with your own kind. So maybe you should just go back to where you came from. <laughs> you almost got me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm Brother Ryan. Uh, What's your name? Um, Drew. Nice to meet you, Brother Drew. See, you have the Holy Scripture out there in front of you. Yep, I'm just reading about carrying my cross. Brother, this is a divine appointment. I'm not comfortable. I was just reading about this earlier today. I think we're supposed to carry our crosses together. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you. No, no. Thank you, Lord. We can't, because obviously you don't go to the same church I do. Oh, what church do you go to? One that doesn't believe in divine appointments. (laughs) I like your sense of humor, brother. Um, Not humor, reverence. Listen, maybe you should go run along and carry your cross in tongues or something. Really? All right, well, I'll be praying for you, brother. And I'll pray for your soul. What's going on? Hey, what are you reading? This is a Bible. Oh, I know what it is. I meant, what are you reading about? I'm sorry, uh, carrying my cross. I'm teaching a class about that at my church. Oh, good for you teaching a ladies' class. It's nice. No, it, it's for anybody. Anybody can come. Whole church. <laughs> Watch out. Lightning coming. What do you mean by that? Look, you obviously don't read the Bible, okay? The Bible says that the women's place is in the home, cooking. So why don't you run along and make supper instead of wasting everyone's time trying to teach them something? What is your problem? Okay, you know what? The Bible also says that women should be silent, so zip it. Okay, you know, I'm just trying to help. And I don't associate with people who are spiritually blind. Come on, God. The least you can do is send the right person to help. Uh, everybody okay? Whoa! I've never heard so many sound effects from the congregation in my life. Ooh, want to go someplace with that this morning. You see, I keep coming back to that, and you can take me a little bit out of the mark, because I got way... <laughs> that actually felt good. <laughs> but uh, over the past couple weeks, I have been reaching in try to expose some things to teach us, to allow God to share with us from from what we've been dealing with, the struggles and temptations, and along with the discerning that we talked about last week. This morning, I want to refer to fiery darts that the enemy brings in. It has to do, everybody take their finger like this. Would you do that for me for a second? You got your finger? 
you don't have the finger, it's okay, use your fist. Do this. This right here is the enemy's territory. How do you deal with that? So let's let's take a little bit of the journey, and let's let's. It, I might take a little bit extra time this morning to cover, but I've got some fundamentals. I've got some tools I want to give you this morning. So first of all, let's let's take a look at this first passage of scripture here in Ephesians six. It says, "Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one." The apostle Paul wrote that we who are in Christ are going to face all the fiery darts, not some, all of them from the wicked one. But I want you to hear this loud and clear, and that is because God's desire is that we are able to extinguish all the flaming arrow, arrows that, uh, uh, that the devil sends our way. You and I are going to know those darts coming at us, those missiles coming at us, but guess what? We are to quench them. So what are, what are, what are the flaming missiles, the, the flaming arrows? Look, in, in the natural, the flaming arrows, which Paul refers to, were common among the Roman battles that took place. They, they were arrows, and what they would do is they would take them and dip them in pitch and then set them on fire and then launch them into a group of enemy soldiers. They, they were a double kind of a threat. I mean, not only did the arrows penetrate what they hit, but it could cause fire to spread in the midst of the soldiers. So at, at, at times in ancient battles, you would have hundreds and thousands of these arrows you know, that, that might be, be lighted and launched at the same time, and the results were massive casualties, including, you know, the, the fact that it would not only wipe out the soldiers' camp, but in such a raining down of those, those, those flaming arrows, it was very difficult for a soldier to keep from being hit, and, 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 and even if he did avoid the, the, <laughs> the direct hit, he had to deal with all the fire that was around him on top of it. A barrage of flaming arrows was very effective and deadly. In the spiritual, flaming arrows referred to the bombardments of the mind with thoughts, impressions, impulses that are contrary to God's purposes. These thoughts might be thoughts to do evil, you know, they, they might be angry thoughts, sinful thoughts, temptation to sin. Here are, are, are just a few of the arrows that the devil can unleash and will unleash at you. One is fear. And you have good, in other words, you have good reason to be afraid right now and always. Or this one called doubt which says you can't trust God or trust that God will work in this situation for your good. Or how about lust? 
In other words, you need to have your needs met. I mean, and this is a fine way to get your needs met. Then there's loneliness, which says you are alone. You will always be alone. And you, therefore, will always be miserable. How about jealousy? Which says you, you, you aren't being shown the devotion that you deserve. And at the same time, someone, someone else is getting the devotion that should be yours. How about rejection? Rejection saying you are worthy to be rejected and cast away. Yes, you are. You're worthless. Guilt. You, you should feel guilty about that sin. Shame. Shame, shame. Shame on you. Turn to your neighbor. Just tell them. Shame on you. Well, hopefully today's shame off of you. How about greed or covetousness? You know, you should have that. You see what they got? You, you, you should have that. You deserve it. <laughs> that you need it. How about the word unforgiveness? That, that's another arrow he points our way. And, 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 and unforgiveness is saying you can never forgive that sin. And even if you could, why would you? And then there's the angle one. I mean, you've been hurt, and you have the right to be angry. Then there's discouragement. Well, that better. It's, you know, you'll never have what you desire or be who you desire to be in this life. Don't even get your hopes up. You're just going to get discouraged again. And let me give you one more pride. Yeah, I mean, it says you're above all that. You shouldn't have to stoop to accommodate the weakness and the poverty of, of, a, of, of another person. Look, any, any thought or impulse that entices a person to fall victim to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is a fiery dart according to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16, if you want to look that one up later. Friend, temptation, doubts, accusations, justifications and speculations begin in the mind. Our feet, our hands, our bodies follow where the mind leads us. It is in our minds that we remember, we understand, we make decisions, we fantasize and we evaluate truth from fiction. It's with our minds that we believe, that we acknowledge God, and we make choices. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The battleground with Satan is the mind. Look, many people will ask this kind of a question. They'll ask, does the devil have access to my mind? Yes. Can the devil see, send thoughts into my mind? Well, if he's got access, yes. Can the devil speak to the heart? Uh-huh. Yes. Now, we need to be clear on, on, on several points here. First, a thought itself is not a sin. Entertaining a, a, a thought and acting out a thought can be sinful. Thoughts come. And it's what we do with those thoughts, friend, that matters. 
Secondly, the devil does not send the same thought to every person. The devil sends thoughts that are tailor-made to the neediness at, that an individual feels. Grab that one. To, to the person who doesn't have a need for, let's say, material possessions to bolster their self-esteem, the thought of, you need to buy this or, or that or have this or have that, is going to take root in the mind. To the person who doesn't feel a need for, like, say, greater sexual satisfaction, a lustful thought about a person at work isn't going to lodge in the mind. To the person who, 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 who has those, please understand me, the devil knows your areas of weaknesses and need, and he crafts his messages specifically then for you. Third, the, the devil often aims thoughts at things we value as being good or right. He aims his, his darts at your appreciation, let's say, <coughs> excuse me, for, for beauty. The value you place on knowledge and competency. Or the, the longing you might have for approval or, or value or love. Is there anything wrong with, with, with beauty or appreciating beauty? I mean, I look at it every morning in the mirror. I, I understand. <laughs> Is there anything wrong with, with knowledge or competency or, or the acquisition of skills? No. Is there anything wrong with the need of the human heart to feel love or approval or value or worthiness? No. But here's how the devil twists the good things for his evil purposes. For example, the person who places a high value on beauty, that the devil points out ways in which that person might not have beauty in their life. So he whispers, you, 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 you know, hey, you, you, don't, you don't have the beautiful things you like. The lovely home you should have. And he points out everything that seems ugly or everything that seems lacking in, a, in an appeal and plays on the person's desires for beauty. For the person who might have a high regard for knowledge, let's say, and some intellectual ability. The devil points out ways in which the person doesn't have the knowledge or competency in, in a spouse or a friend. Or, or he points out the lack of knowledge or competency, in, you know, with, with, with this person or that, the devil, the, de the devil puts a spotlight on all of the mistakes that others are making. The devil focuses on, on, on the way in which the person isn't as maybe smart or competent as, as they desire to be. For, for the person who believes the most important things in life our love or approval, worthiness. The devil points out the ways in which people are treating them in unloving, disapproving, devaluing, and degrading ways. The devil says, you don't, you don't have the respect you deserve. You aren't appreciated in the ways that you should be appreciated in. You aren't given the preeminence, the prominence that you should have. 
And the devil points out the lack of love in the person's life because the person places very high value on love and approval. Now, now understand, the devil never points out abundant blessings from God. The devil always points out what is missing, what's lacking, what's negative. He may point to, what's, to what is good and right, but he will always, it'll always be in the context that the things are missing in your life. The negative. The devil sends thoughts and impulses that register as want, need, and must-haves. So, how do they, how do they, how do the fiery darts that the devil sends operate in our mind? Well, first, the devil sends a thought. What, and what happens is, understand, we have a choice. Everyone say choice. We have a choice to reject that thought immediately or to entertain it. If we reject the thought, the devil might send another thought, either very quickly or maybe sometime later. The thoughts come into our minds with this incredible rush. That we, it's, like, like it, it's really like a hundred flaming arrows have been launched against us. And, and as a result, we can feel bombarded. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been there, you know, it, it's, as far as all these things coming at you one time. And, and, and how many times have you tried to forget something? How many know that doesn't work? The harder you try to forget it, the more you remember it. You know, don't think about your, the fact that you're hungry. You know, don't think about that. Block it out of your mind. Get rid of it. Don't think about being hungry. How's that working for you? But thinking about being hungry is, is not a sin. See, what I'm saying is we are talking about an example of the way the devil hits us with impressions, perceptions, ideas. They come in one after the other. And, 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 and they're, they're, they're aimed at a, a physical or an emotional or psychological or even a spiritual need. You know, the truth is, it, it can be television commercials, radio commercials, billboards, signs, memories, visions of people who remind us of people we know. And I mean, the list can go on and on. We, we, can, we, we can become hungry or thirsty emotionally and, and, and psychologically for everything from <laughs> sweets to nicotine to sex to a new car. Have you, have, have you ever just been driven crazy with an urge for something and it just doesn't want to seem to go away? How many know what I mean when I say chocolate? Boom, chakalaka, chakalaka, chakalaka. <laughs> sorry, I had to put it in there. But those things can be overwhelming to us, I agree. But here's the, here's the issue. The more you entertain a thought aimed at a need you feel, the more a thought looms in your mind until it crowds out all other thoughts. Also, if you entertain thoughts repeatedly over days, weeks, or months, the thoughts take root in you and become normal to you. 
and we develop a particular pattern or habit of thinking as a result of that. Habitual ideas can become ingrained to the point that literally it's going to take a major blast of God's power to remove the idea from your mind or even alter the pattern of what you would have in habitual patterns of thinking. The, the initial thought that the devil sends to us, I will call a toehold. 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 A toehold the first time we entertain those thoughts and dwell on them or fantasize about them. The longer we entertain the thoughts, however, uh -huh, the more likely that we're going to be to start making mental plans about how we might act on them, it, it, it's then that the toehold becomes a foothold. And the more we develop plans on acting on a sinful idea or temptation, the more we find that that foothold has now then become a, yeah, stronghold. We, become, we come to the place where we feel compelled to try out the idea or the behavior. We can fantasize about it, imagine about it. And it was like, what, what, what's it like to do something, to experience something, or, or to try something for, for so long that, that, that we come to the place where we want to act on that idea more than we want to banish that idea. And, and look, Paul wrote, and you got it there in your notes, for we walk in the flesh, we do not war again according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, in other words, fleshly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing, and, and, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Huge, habitual patterns of thinking become strongholds in our heads. And where do these strongholds take root in us? I mean, to, to what do they relate? Listen, they are linked to the areas of our perceived greatest needs. That's where they take root, in our perceived greatest needs. That's our perception. Our perceived greatest needs. They are related, listen, they are related to our weaknesses. If Satan is capable of deceiving you, manipulating you, seducing you to yield to temptation in one area of your life or another, he's going to come back again and again and again and again to that area. Because he's identified this as an area of weakness in your life. The more times he successfully tempts you in that area, the weaker the area becomes. This area of weakness in you becomes a spiritual stronghold for him. Hello. What is the weakness? What is weakness in you? Because understand... That what is weakness in you is a strong place for him to work in your life. Yeah. Initially, you know, the, the area of that weakness might just be a, a toehold for the devil. 
But then as we yield to temptation, in that area it now becomes a foothold for the enemy. And as you continue to yield to temptation in that area, it becomes a stronghold. It becomes a catalyst. It, 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 it hardening, hardening areas of your life. What was important to you, what mattered to you, don't, don't matter to you as much as it used to. It truly is an area, I'm telling you, in which the enemy gains a stronghold on you. Oh, yes, he does. And truth is, most people who are willing to admit that they have yielded to temptation usually identify one or two areas in which they seem to yield to temptation. Again, and again, and again. Look, they, 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 they acknowledge it, yes. And the devil seems to get me there every time, even though I know this is an area of weakness in my life. I know that. I seem to be increasingly unable to resist temptation in this area. I, I, I yield again and again, and even though I don't really want to. Look, you might not like it, but the devil knows you better than you know yourself. If you know your area of weakness, believe you me when I tell you that the devil knows that area of weakness too, and probably better than you do. He has used your repeated giving into your weakness to create a stronghold in your head. A stronghold is a, is a darkness in your thinking, friend. A stronghold involves a reoccurring compulsive thought pattern. Now, now let me just show you what the, the, the pattern here that the devil often follows, okay? It's, it's, it's this. Uh, number one, you can have this. Number two, you should have this. Number three, you must have this. Number four, there's something wrong with you if you don't do your utmost to have this. Number five, here's how you can have this. And finally, now, go get this. It's the progression that he uses. So, take a look again at what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down, for, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, I want you to note in that, in that, in that beginning part, the arguments and every high thing. Arguments always refer to speculation, false doctrine, false beliefs that sound like truth, but they're not. They are what they they, they are what if rational they, they are nothing but rationalizations, justifications. They're the thoughts that cause us to call into question whether God has said something. Or, or whether God has really forbidden something, or, or whether God really means what he said. In debate, doubt, division, and deception. Every high thing refers to these lofty philosophies that sound wonderful, but they're not productive or effective in, 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 in building a person's relationship with God. 
We've got to stand against human arguments and philosophies if these arguments and philosophies are in any way opposed to the knowledge of God. In other words, if they are contrary to what the Bible commands or to the nature as he has revealed himself to us in prayer and in the study of Scripture. We have every high thing at work in us if we believe our ideas and beliefs that supersede the commands of God. Boy, we get lofty in our thoughts. But, but notice that, that Paul also writes, or continues to write, that we are to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Do you realize what that's saying? We are to control our thoughts rather than have our thoughts control us. Some of your thoughts right now are controlling you. Some of your thoughts keep you in that place that you've always been, you grumpy thing, you. Oh, I can, I can go off on this one for a while, but bottom line, it's up to each of us to take captive and to cast any speculation, rationalization, justification out. Any idea, philosophical notion that is contrary to God's word and God's will, out. We, you, I hate to be defensive like that, but responsible for bringing your thought life into subjection to Christ Jesus, to his commands, to his teaching, to his character. God's word challenges us to line up our thought life with God's thoughts so that we think as Christ thinks. We feel as Christ feels, and we do as Christ does, and live as he lived. Look, the devil knows exactly how to get you to think the wrong things so that you'll do the wrong things. The devil also knows what Christ thought, what he felt, and what he did. So understand, the enemy's goal therefore, <laughs> is to get you to think and feel in a way that is different from what Christ thought and felt. Have you ever heard somebody say this? Uh, oh, their imagination is just running away with them. Or, or, or she got carried away. What they're saying, or what these things refer to, is a person's thoughts having control over the person instead of the person having control over their thoughts. Can thoughts and daydreams do that? Oh, yes, they can. Absolutely. A person can get so caught up in what he thinks, what he fantasizes, what he, be, you know, he becomes enamored, uh, the dreams that, that he makes up, the, the foolish decisions and choices. Do you realize how much time that actually wastes? The resource and fails to do anything that is, is, is of eternal benefit to either them or others. When a person is trapped by an idea, we often say that they're obsessed with the idea. 
And, and the problem of being obsessed with an idea is that you're no longer free to make rational, sound, objective decisions. No longer are you free to think the thoughts of God. Obsessions, I'm going to tell you, are not only dangerous to a person's mental health, they're dangerous to a person's spiritual health. The vast majority of obsessions are not godly. Obsessions very often end up leading a person to think about and to pursue certain activities and relationships, even substances that are not according to God's principles. Now listen. Do you have to entertain the enemy's ideas? No. Do you have to allow his ideas to launch in your minds and dwell on them? No. You, you look, you can't stop the enemy from launching fiery darts, fiery ideas, fiery beliefs, fiery desires, and fiery temptations at you. You can't keep yourself totally immune or free from impulses or perceptions that might trigger some kind of a sinful response. But you can clothe yourself with a full identity of Christ Jesus and arm yourself with faith, hope, and God's word in order to thwart the devil's temptations. You can keep tempting thoughts from, from literally launching in your mind. You can keep them from growing up to become full-fledged sin, which is death according to James 1. Look, the challenge of God's word is that you are to take control of your thoughts, bring them into captivity, to subject them to obedience, to bring them in line with what God's word teaches you and Jesus Christ examples for you. And, 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 and I've heard people say it. I can't change the way I think. Listen to me very carefully. Oh, yes, you can. The longer you entertain a negative about your neediness, the more difficult it's going to become to change the way you think. But you can change the way you think. You can say, you know... I'm going to exchange this thought for another thought. I'm going to replace this thought. This thought keeps coming. I'm going to change it around. Look, look, look. There are thoughts that come into my head. And you know what? I'll turn around and I'll start praising God. Instead, you want to mess up the devil sometime. After he's thrown that stuff into your head, turn it around and become making a praise. Just, just pray. Anyway, didn't go the way he planned, that's for sure. In other words, I choose right now to focus my mind on a different thought, one that is pleasing to God and beneficial to me in life. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. If you can just do that for about 10 minutes, that other stuff just goes away. It just dissipates. A person who has a stronghold in their life might have to make a more consecrated, intentional even maybe difficult, prolonged attempt to change the way they think or the way they respond. There's a good reason for the term stronghold, friend, that that reoccurring, compelling, compulsive thought 
that, that pattern that has a stronghold on a person. A person who, who continually thinks in, in those areas of those fiery darts. Look, if you can recognize that you have a stronghold in your life, I, I want to I want to beseech you, encourage you, cry out to God to deliver you and to release you from it. Ask the Lord to forgive you for, for the hours that, that, that have been wasted in, in compulsive, obsessive thinking and, and sinful nature. Ask Him. Ask Him to free you from discouragement, from despair, from depression. Ask Him to set you free from worry and anxiety. If you trust him to set you free, he'll do it. When flaming arrows come into your mind, immediately ask, what does God say? Then, then ask yourself, does this fit to who I am in Christ Jesus? Okay. Know God's word, friend. Know who you are in Christ Jesus. Know who he is in you. I mean, acknowledge and choose to live in awareness that he is your truth, your righteousness, and your peace. He's your savior. He is the author and the finisher of your faith and fulfillment of your hope. He is the one who is ever present with you, who gives you help in every situation. Every... Everyone say these three words with me. C-M-D. There it is. Big, bold letters. C-M-D. I want you to remember that one. I want you to write it down in the back of the person in front of you. Would you do that? <laughs> when the devil's arrows come our way, we have a C-M-D. What is that? It is a critical moment of decision. When the enemy throws those fiery darts, we have a critical moment called CMD. Critical moment of decision. In that moment, friend, we have the greatest power to accept the thought or let it go right on by. The devil approached Eve and asked, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? The devil hurled an arrow of doubt. He cast an air of suspicion over whether God actually said what God said. I want you to listen carefully to what I'm about to describe to you. Because the devil positioned his question in a lack category. A lack category. He focused on whether God said they should not eat of every tree rather than on what God actually said. Recall exactly what God said to Adam. Let's take a look at it. It says, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Listen, God's focus was on the fact that they could eat freely of every tree but one. The devil focus was on the fact that they could not eat of one particular tree. God focused on what Adam and Eve could do. The devil focused on what they were not to do. 
The difference is subtle, I'm going to tell you, but it's important. The moment that the devil questions hit Eve's mind, she had her CMD, her critical moment of decision. She should have said right then, yes, that's what God said. Uh, that, that we should never, I mean, she should have never allowed the devil to get beyond that first comment. Instead, Eve enters into a conversation with the devil and tried to justify what God said instead. And in the process, she misquoted God to the devil. She said, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you should not eat it, nor touch it, lest you die. Hey, God never said anything about touching the fruit. Eve also failed to identify that the forbidden tree was the knowledge of good and evil. She simply identified it as the tree in the center of the garden. She, she looked at the tree's position, not its quality or nature. That's big. God did not say to Adam that you can't eat of the tree because it's in the center of the garden. God said you are not to eat of the tree because it is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Look, listen. God did not want Adam and Eve to know evil. Period. He wanted them to know only what was good. Therefore, he was seeking to protect them, not deprive them. Too many people in our world today say, well, you need to have kind of these experiences or else, you know, you, 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 so you won't be naive and won't be so innocent or gullible. You know, you, you want to be sophisticated and savvy, don't you? So you've got to try this, or you have to try that, or experience this, or if you're going to be knowledgeable and fit into this society and culture. Listen, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. There is no sin in being naive, innocent, or gullible. Hello? There's no glory in being sophisticated or savvy. And there's no place in God's word where he tells us that we must do our utmost to be knowledgeable and fit into a greater society and culture. In fact, the opposite is true. God calls us to be innocent. He calls us to live in purity. The exact opposite is true. He calls us to have no association with or knowledge of evil. And he calls us to be separate from an evil society and culture and to avoid walking on a broad road that leads to destruction, according to Matthew. If someone says that you need to try this, or you need to try that, so you'll know what it's like, oh, you're missing this, you're missing... Ask this question. Why do I need to know what it's like? Why, why do I need to, to know what it's like to get high? Why, why do I need to know what it's like to take this drug? The reality is, why do I need to try something that's harmful to my body or to my mind or how I relate to other people? Truth is, those kinds of things destroy relationships. The knowledge of what's, what, what it's like to be, you know, whether you're under the influence of alcohol or, or drugs. I mean, the, the bottom line is, 
It's, it's empty knowledge. What do you need to know it for? You're better off not knowing. The devil responded to Eve by saying, you will, surely, you, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat up, that you eat it up, your, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What, what flaming arrow is, is being hurled at this point? It's another arrow of doubts. Only this time, not only about what God said, but also about the goodness of God. The devil, what he, what he does here is he introduces to Eve the concept that God's holding out on you. But also about the goodness of God. And, 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 and the devil, it's like God's denying you, Eve. He's denying you of what's good for you. And she, and, and, and he was keeping, that he's keeping her from achieving her full potential because of all this hidden stuff. Look, Eve missed a second CMB. She, she could have said, that's a lie. God said we will die and God tells the truth. God says I'm going to die, I'm dying. Instead what Eve kept, she kept listening to what the devil said. That God is withholding from you something that you would benefit from. I, I, I hope you see what's happening. You're going from a toehold move rapidly to a, a, a foothold instead. Then the devil sends another rapid fire of flaming missiles this way. And he calls attention to the beauty of the tree and its fruits. And he pointed to the goodness of the fruit as food. He underscored what was you consider the value of, of you know, being wise. What he does is he plays to Eve's sense of beauty and her high regard for wisdom. He, he appealed to her and her desires to be like God in every way she could be. The Bible says, so when the woman saw that it was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Wow. Think, think about one other example in 2 Samuel. It says, it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Man. Then it happened. One evening that David arose from his bed and up on the roof of King uh, up of and, and from the top from the rooftop, well, I think. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was so very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him and lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity. And she returned to her house. Look. David lived in a place located in the highest residential point of Mount Zion. He could overlook the entire city of David, Jerusalem, the whole place from his balconies. And one evening, what does he do? He arises and begins to walk on the rooftop balcony of his palace. From that vantage point, 
He looked down and he saw a woman bathing. The moment he saw the woman, David had what? A CMD. A critical moment of decision. Should have turned his eyes and kept walking. David knew the law of God. He knew the heart of God and the principles of right and wrong. But David did not do what he knew to do. And so he pauses and he watches the woman. And to watch her long enough to conclude that she was very beautiful to home. What happened? You got a toehold established. And the problem with that toehold was about to become a foothold instead. David was told that she was a, the wife of a man named Uriah. That should have settled it. Boom, done. She's not available, David. She's married. Then David missed a second CMD. He should have said, well, if she's married, that settles it but a foothold was about to become a stronghold. David sends messengers to Bathsheba. We don't know exactly how the relationship developed. We don't know how long it took between the time that they met and the time that they lay together. But that was the outcome of the relationship. Bathsheba became pregnant as a consequence of their sexual sin. And then what does David do? He compounds the trouble that he, he created. He orders her husband Uriah sent to the front lines of the battles where he was sure to be killed. In effect, what David does is he authorizes the death of Uriah. What do you got? One sin led to the next. Satan could not force David, and, and understand, he can't force you as a believer to think about something at length or to act on a fantasy or even a wrong thought. You have, you have, you have the power to turn your eyes away, to walk away, to refuse, to listen, to turn your attention to something else. You have the power to say no to sin. I mean, consider the consequence of thoughts or questions that must have come to David's mind, even, even if it was only for a few fleeting seconds. Oh, isn't this woman beautiful? Who is the woman? Why shouldn't I invite her over to the palace, you know? What's the harm in getting to know her, even if she is a married woman? I mean, what's to keep me from having what I want. Who's going to stop me from having sex with this woman, this beautiful woman, whose husband's out of bed? What's to keep me from arranging her husband's death? For each question, you and I both know there was a godly answer or response, and, and one that David knew. I mean, he knew it in his mind as well as his heart, but he refused to act upon it. David ignored every warning sign and sidestepped every wise response. You know why that's there? 
to learn from that mistake. God's saying, don't miss the CMD when the devil launches his fiery missiles, his fiery darts into your heart and into your mind. He's saying that we need to immediately act on his truth. And we need to declare it. And say, I'm not going to entertain that idea. I, it came in, yeah, but it's not staying. I'm not going to sit down and fantasize about this. I'm not going to dwell on this. I choose to think about something else. And then, and then immediately turn to something that, that, that will fully engage us project or conversation thoughts that fits the description of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. It simply say what says whatever is true, whatever is noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report or praiseworthy. What's that doing? It's taking every, every thought, it's taking captive every thought Christ Jesus, who is to quench the fiery darts that the enemy launches into your minds. To take captive every thought to Christ Jesus is to keep strongholds from developing. To take every thought to Christ Jesus is to resist the devil and send that boy scampering. And to take every thought of Christ Jesus is to turn your attention and your mental energies towards the things that truly are blessed, rewarding, and beneficial to you and to all of God's kingdom. Who's influencing you this morning? Who's creating that belief system in you? You receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you continue to allow the enemy and his negative thinking to influence your life so that your belief system has nothing to do with who he is. We don't even know who we are. God's challenging us. Because guess what, man? The enemy is just, he just, he's flying the man. And it's coming in all directions. God says, you can quench them. You can take control of the thoughts and not have the thoughts take control of you. Would you stand with me for a moment this morning? I'm a firm believer that we don't end up in the places we end up overnight. It's a process that gets us there. It keeps us going in that direction. Look, I know God's dealing with a heart or two this morning at least. Why do I know that? Because he's already pre-warned me about that. Not warned me, told me about that. There's a, there's, there's, there's a presence in this place this morning. An anointing is what some people, I don't care what you want to call it. All I know is God's at work in this house. And he's at work in your life. Don't be fooled. Don't be naive. 
Don't be stubborn. Don't be foolish. And I'm using very nice words compared to what's in my spirit right now. Because I'm tired of seeing what the enemy can do to families. I'm tired of seeing what, what the enemy can do to people. I'm tired of seeing how he can rip things apart only because of the influences that have come into the family, into the mind, into the habitual pattern of thinking that continues to go on. God's not going to be mocked. You are going to reap what you sow. God say, this is the day for things to get turned around. Jesus would say it often, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was his, that was his word, that was his message. What does repent mean? 180 degree turn. What's the second part mean? It means it's right in front of your face. But you can't see it if you're not turned to look at it. The kingdom of God is at hand. But you're not going to see it unless we change. What's your choice? What's the enemy been firing at you that just seems to be continually getting? That can be broken. You can change what's in your head as a result of what's in your hearts. The truth is, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ. You don't have that relationship with him. There's an invitation being given to you from him. And you know that information is for that invitation is for you. Because what you feel inside here. You, you know that, that the life that you've had is, is it, 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 it don't work, man. Let's be real. I need God in my life. And I need to let God be God in my life. I need to say yes to that relationship with Him. Yes to Him becoming my Lord and Savior. We call that being saved. But it's a choice. And right now the enemy is with the darts, and you've got nothing protecting you. But he's inviting you. Lord, I want to thank you for your word this morning. I want to thank you for speaking to our lives, exposing the enemy once again for who he is and what he does. His antics. We stand here as believers knowing he's been defeated. But so many times we allow him to continue to reign. We allow his influence rather than yours. And we get stuck. God, I'm thankful that you're here in spirit and in truth. And he whom the Son sets free is free. And that the, the word makes us free. Holy Spirit. Amplify your word in our lives this morning. Don't let us get out of this place without knowing your presence and touches as a result. And Lord, this morning, if there's one person here, I pray. I pray that this is a life-changing moment for them. So with every head bowed, I want to ask this question. If that's you this morning in your heart, 
is saying yes. I didn't say your head has it all figured out. I'm, say, I'm, I'm saying your heart is saying yes to him. I'm asking you right where you stand. Would you affirm that yes and do so by putting an action to your choice? If, if that's you this morning and your heart's saying yes, would you affirm that with an upraised hand this morning that's saying that's me? I'm saying yes to him this morning. I'm saying yes to a relationship with him. I'm saying yes to a life-changing moment. Thank you, Lord, for, for, for who you are, for what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's a victory in the name of Jesus. There's an overcoming in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Enemy, guess what? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. There's a victory in the name of Jesus. There's a victory and breakthrough in the name of Jesus. by who's in here. This morning, we're called to make... Nobody's saying you're not going to... The darts are coming. The missiles are coming. They're hot, but there's a shield called faith that we raise up. Shield of faith that it comes from His presence. And when those things, those fiery darts hit, those shields, they go... Well, they still hit, but they got no power. Sin has no more dominion over you. Hello. That's what Christ purchased. Today, we get back on track. Today, we kick that pattern of thinking out. Today, we let ourselves dwell on that which is noble, that which is true, that which, mm, today is the Lord's day for walking in victory. How many can say amen to that? Sing this song with us. Give him praise. Further. Oh, the weapon may be forward, it won't prosper.
Yeah. 